Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'd like to thank you all for tuning into the show. Got my crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey, and we're coming your way with the 43rd edition of the Don't Kill a Messengers podcast. First thing we're about to get into for this week is the NCAA basketball. Uh, recently just had some rankings get dropped out uh, this week. What do you guys think about the rankings? You know, I think my first initial thought of the rankings is, you know, it's kind of like a well, duh, thought. You know, you have the typical powers at the top. You have Duke, Kentucky, and Kansas at the top of the AP poll. Uh, you know, what other three teams are you going to see there, really? Um, there's really nobody else who gets the, you know, gets the level of recruits that they do on a year-in, year-out basis. It's the same level of success year-in and year-out. So to see those teams at the top, not really surprised. Uh, I mean, they they just always find a way to be there. Uh, and then, you know, following up from those top three, you know, you have North Carolina at six, uh, some Big Ten teams, you know, at nine, you have Wisconsin, Indiana, 11, Michigan State, 12. So they, they have some strong presence near the top as well. But, you know, j- just an initial thought on the rankings. It's kind of a, like I said, a well-duh thought. But uh, if, if there was one surprise, I think Oregon at five kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Uh, you know, there was big talk. They were a number two seed last year in the tournament. Uh, made a little bit of a run, and maybe they can build off it. But Oregon's kind of the, you know, one of these things. is not like the other team mixed in this top, really the top 16 uh, when you get to, like, UCLA. Uh, they're kind of the the odd one out, if you will. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty much in line with what you're thinking on that one. Uh, it's pretty much an expected poll. You got mm-hmm. the, the Blue Bloods are, are topping it uh, and wrinkled all throughout the top 15 of it. Uh, with Oregon, just uh follow up with you, they, they returned a lot from last yeah. year. Yeah. They're still they were, that's why they're still in the top five. And yeah. everybody knew talent wise they they're a good get to uh March. It's it's a different story and coaching yeah. plays more of a more of an effect. Uh but but yeah, uh you know, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, can't argue that. You got the the defending champs at four, uh Carolina has six, uh and then the Big Ten basically filling out the rest of that top ten to 15 for you a uh, couple back 12 teams in there as well but i have no issues with it solid yeah start the top 25 yeah you know and i i think i also like the presence of the mid-major schools um and you know like you have like a creighton rhode island st mary's you know not not your typical powerhouse schools you know i like to see some of those smaller schools who who can actually really play uh, get some notoriety, even if it is early on and too soon to tell poll and all that stuff. But I mean, a lot of times smaller schools, you know, for the longest time, which Tuskegee was doing it, they were practically running the table in their conference and, uh, you know, they, they would see the respect for it, you know, and I think that's one thing that the college basketball poll tends to get right is it shows the love to the smaller school. Now, granted, like in, in the football polls, that, that's just a different animal. The smaller schools, when they stack up against the bigger schools, would really not stand a chance. Whereas in basketball, you, you're more likely to see a smaller school win. You know, coming to mind, you think George Mason, you think uh, 
you know, just a bunch of all the other upsets you've seen over the years where those smaller schools that can actually play just don't tend to get the notoriety. You know, even though it's the end of the poll, you're looking at Creighton 22, Rhode Island 23, St. Mary's 17. Um, even though they're not household names, I do like the fact that they are getting a lot of notoriety. And the thing is, they got quite a bit of points in the rankings as well. If, if uh, you yeah. look at the ranking system or the point system for the ranking, um, you know, St. Mary's, you know, being ranked ahead of some of traditional, some of the more traditional powers like Connecticut, Syracuse, mm-hmm. um, Maryland, even, you know, I, I think, you know, it says a lot for these smaller schools that tend to get out of their, you know, regular season with only single digit losses. Yeah, totally agree with that. Uh, you know, college basketball, it's, they kind of, they're the definition of anyone can win. Uh, yeah. We've had so many stories of, you know, those Cinderella teams making it deep, like Butler, uh, like you said, George Mason, uh, I like uh, Wichita State. Yeah. This this is just, you know, parody isn't even a word to describe it. It's just, you know, stuff blows up <laughs> at the yeah. end of college basketball season yeah all right now darnell you know everybody knows you're a michigan state fan um what are you expecting from them this year um a reprieve from how bad i feel about football Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but no i i have decently high hopes uh especially they gotta wipe the the bad taste away from how they ended last season, but uh, it's a lot to be excited for. Uh, they had a big recruiting class come in, you know, three big recruits, uh, Josh Langford, Cassius Winston, and Miles Bridges coming in. Uh, wish we could have kept Deontay Davis from, uh, Deontay Davis from that last mm-hmm. year. Uh, it's a big loss, so they're a little bit undersized, but this is going to be a team that gets up and down the court scores a lot of points. They'll be very fun to watch, uh, especially uh, the last of the freshmen that I mentioned, Miles Bridges, like this. He's he's a one-and-done candidate, uh, and he's already showing flashes of he's something special. Uh, probably the best freshman I've seen come to, uh, to us in, in a while. Uh, so... I think we're going to have some fun watching this team. Uh, it's not going to be your usual uh, defense and kind of Izzo drawing up ridiculous plays that they score off of. And, like, it'll still be that team-based basketball that he likes to play, but if things break down, he's going to be a guy that you can get the ball to and make something happen. Yeah, you know, not – necessarily being a fan of the team you choose to be a fan of but you know i think this is a team michigan state can actually feel really excited about from a youth standpoint in a long time i mean like you said uh they're looking at a potential a potential of a couple of guys being one and done here i think you, know, you look at bridges and langford depending what kind of a year langford has i think he also has the potential to be one and done but granted what D1 player that goes to a big time school doesn't have the potential to be one and done anymore. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, when, when you heard 
know, Josh Jackson decided to go to Kansas. What what did you think there? Was? Uh, you know, I mean, icing on the cake, cherry on top. Yeah. You well, know, I mean, potentially pencil these guys in. Yeah. If you know. if if they would have got Josh Jackson, like this would have been one of those teams where I would have been like, Izzo, you have to win a championship with this team. That would have been just too much talent coming in. That's that would have been one of those Kentucky type teams where you're basically starting. You could start for a freshman if you want. Yeah, and, you know, and 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 I think one one thing I like about this the Spartan recruiting classes, they stayed at home to do it. And they tend, they, they tend to do that. You know, they had Draymond green from, um, Saginaw. They had Keith Appling from Detroit. They had Kalen Lucas from Orchard Lake St. Mary's, you know, they, they tend to stay at home. They find the homegrown talent. And, uh, you, you know, I think, I think the Spartan team has a lot of promise. And, and like you said, I think this is for the first time in a while, you know, a, a time they're looking at a team that can win a game off of pure athleticism. Like, yeah. granted, I'm not saying last year's team wasn't good or, you know, the teams with Kalen Lucas wasn't good, but I think this team will have another level of athleticism that they haven't seen in a while. Yeah, this is probably uh most athletic team we've had, like, since the post-championship uh, era of 2000. Yeah. This- this is a team that's they they have a lot of raw talent uh, and you know Izzo's a great coach so if he can mm-hmm. get them together and roll and come the end of February a lot of people are going to be scared to play him. Yeah, and and I'll I'll tell you I think one thing Izzo does very well is he does develop the guys he has. I mean, one one player that stands out in my mind is uh, you know Matt Costello from the American state team last year. He, he had a monster of a senior year showed promises junior year, but his sophomore freshman year, I thought he was the lost hope on that Michigan state squad being a yeah. guy that comes off the bench, being a guy that, you know, just kind of got lost in, in a great basketball program, but he, he turned it up, got to another level. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with Tom Izzo, you know, I'd even say Denzel Valentine. Yeah. He he got to another level in his senior year that you hadn't really seen out of him. So, I mean, if, if we're talking about, you know, developing these guys, especially this really promising recruiting class, I think for Izzo, it's more of a how soon can you do it as opposed to hope these guys can stick around and do it. Yeah. So it, as long as long as Izzo can get it in these guys' heads, you know, if you develop fast. You know, and and I think I think he has the ability to do that. I think he's really now starting to adapt to the one and done era, mm-hmm. uh, like and I think that's something he kind of struggled with for a little bit. You kind of needed to see guys in the system for two or three years before you saw the potential. And I think he's starting to realize the one and done route um, is going to benefit college basketball programs um, probably a lot better than if you're trying to hope for four year guys. And and I think Kentucky's proved it, Duke's proved it. Uh, I think it's more, you know, Izzo catching up with the time and realizing this is maybe what we need to do to compete at a more serious level. Yeah, he was basically the last of that guard. That I mean, he 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 still did pretty well getting his yeah, I agree, decent decently talented group of kids to make a team out of maybe get one blue chip blue chip or out of there every couple of years to put them over the top and get them deep into the playoffs. But yeah, like this is that first class where you're just like, wow, he, 
he, he got a couple kids that, you know, may only be here one, two years max. So yeah. he's he's getting a different level of talent now. Mm-hmm. Now, what are some key players for you guys that uh, you're going to be looking out for this year? Well, I think we mentioned one of them with Josh Jackson. Yeah. Um, the number one small forward. I mean, the guy is no question a one and done. Uh, we could be talking about him at, I mean, easily a lottery pick. I think we're going to be talking about him as the potential one or two option moving forward. Um, you know, he could potentially be like the Ben Simmons from last year, just kind of a guy that can do it all, um, can score, can pass he is kind of the complete player out there right now um, and and i don't know too many people that would really really argue with that yeah totally agree i mean i basically already have him pencil in basically as the number one draft pick next year uh yep. he, he is that kind of a talent uh coming out of detroit he the stuff he did in high school was just like just let him go let him go to the league now uh, so, I mean, he, he's that kind of a talent. Uh, also, like I mentioned earlier, uh, with the state, uh, I think you need to look at Miles Bridges. He's going to be a big time player. And then to go, to go with somebody older on the spectrum, uh, I, I don't like the kid, but of course you got to look at, you can look at Grayson Allen. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely don't disagree with that Grayson Allen. I mean, it's just the idea that, He's kind of been on the radar for a while, puts up the points, you know, just fills the stat sheets. So I, I don't disagree with that one. And plus, you know, playing for Duke, you're going to steal a lot of him. Um, a player that's a little, you know, closer to me that I think could have another nice year is Thomas Bryant, the center for Indiana. Uh, a lot of people thought he was going to leave last year, uh, but chose to come back. Uh, I, I think we're going to see him take that next step. Um, you know, I'm hoping to maybe catch him out in person a couple of times this year. Uh, but, you know, I mean, he, he was a promising freshman last year and averaged 11 and 6. Well, just under 6. But, uh, you know, in, he only averaged, you know, 22 minutes a game. So imagine what you can do if you can get him closer to that 32-minute mark, you know, closer to that 30-minute mark, uh, you know, where, where a lot of these stud players are playing. You know, just just another guy we could potentially be talking about a little later on in the year, um, especially when you're looking at a draft when teams like to build around some young younger big guys. Um, you know, I think he could be someone that you know can make a really nice addition on a pro squad as it as it appears he he could potentially leave this year as long as you know the stats are there and and development. Yeah. Now, who are you guys favorite to win it all this year? That's a shot in the dark. But, <laughs> you know, I, I think that just boils down to, you know, you look at some of the perennial favorites. You look at a Duke, um, Kentucky, Kansas. You know, I, I think uh, Kansas lost, you know, some senior leadership last year. I looked mainly at Perry Ellis, you know, a guy that seemed like he was in college forever and was never going to leave. But, you know, he's He's done. So, you know, I, you know, putting in Josh Jackson in that lineup kind of makes them a spotlight team, you know, a team that'll get a lot of primetime action. They'll get a lot of ESPN. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll look at them as one of the favorites to, to move forward this year. You know, good coach, uh, recruits the talent, has 
enough guys coming back. Um, you know, I, I'll I'll probably pick a preseason typically blows at Kansas team. Uh, yeah. Uh, basically, I mean, just find a three-sided coin and flip it for the top three, and that's one of your favorites to win. Kansas, yeah. Kentucky, Duke. I mean, they traditional ones to be in there, but also uh, two out of the three are ones that can scare you and drop it early in an early round where they're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, one's an outside where they could possibly get found to have some kind of violation. Sorry, Trey, but, you know, you you coach. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I will say uh, my answer will change. <laughs> Just because I'm saying yeah. Kansas now, I'm not that's not a write it in pen. That's definitely write it in pencil. Yeah. All right, guys. Any other thoughts on the uh, NCAA basketball uh, before we move on? I think we'll be for another good year. You know, it's like we said, it's unpredictable at all times. Uh, but, you know, for early season stuff, I'm going to like to see a lot of these, you know, big schools play a lot of the little schools and just kind of see what we have, get a feel for a lot of the teams. Uh, see what a, what it looks like their game plans are going to be moving forward. But, uh, you know, a lot of good uh, early season tournaments. You know, you think Maui, uh, the battle for Atlantis is becoming a big one. Um, I think I think Michigan State's playing in the battle for Atlantis this year, Darnell. I, I, yeah. I'm not 100% sure on that. But, um, you know, so, I mean, a, a lot of good preseason tournaments. The Puerto Rico tournament usually has a couple sm- uh, lesser basketball programs but still teams that can make some noise so i mean the, those pre those early season tournaments are are a lot of fun to watch and usually some really good talents out of those yeah one of the best things about college basketball is that first couple of weeks of the year because you actually do get to see a lot of marquee matchups uh from highly ranked teams that are not in the same conference like uh with that battle of atlantis you got a chance of seeing what i think it's duke kentucky State and Arizona are all there, so I mean, you, you're gonna get some some good battles early. All right, uh, up next, we're about to move to NCAA football. Um, first thing we're about to get into is the playoff ranks and rankings dropped this week, and uh, you know, before we even got into the season, um, we had like a little preseason talk. Uh, you guys both mentioned that. You could possibly not see a Pac-12 team going into the uh, playoffs. <laughs> so far, it's looking like that. Um, what did you guys think about the rankings when you first saw it? In my opinion, the the first ranking show is always smokes and mirrors. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's always make people happy, um, play your favorites because it's not going to end up that way. So, I mean, you. you Darnell and I had a great Twitter conversation about this. It was short, but it was great. And Tran, we wish you were involved because you <laughs> texted us about it two hours later. And as, as everybody knows by now, Washington got left out. Uh, a lot of people think that's a robbery. A lot of people think it's the committee doing. And even though I agree with those thoughts, look at the last two first uh first time college football playoff polls the first year we had three sec teams the second year we had two and now the third year we have two uh 
it, it, it's nothing more than the SEC bias. It's nothing more than people still think, and the committee thinks that the SEC is the best conference out there because in reality, they don't end up taking three or two SEC teams. They haven't yet, so I don't believe they will again. You know, so really, this is just them taking their chance to show to show who they actually like before they put in the teams they feel they have to put in. Yeah, I mean they they release it, and I mean probably like most people, I was like number one, okay, yep, of course. Number two, all right. Number three, yep, you can deal with that one. Four, what? Like. A&M over Washington, okay. Uh, but like I said, I think it's just, I mean, people, it, it's still hard hard not to give the SEC that edge, I guess, because they continue to win the national championship. Uh, yeah. I mean, over the last however many years, they've only not had, what, two of them? So yeah. it's, it's just <laughs> they're going to keep getting that edge until – other schools start stepping up and beating them. Uh, but also, like me and Ty were talking about, uh, Washington still has their fate in their hands because uh, mm-hmm. they have a championship game. A&M has a loss. So yeah. if Washington keeps winning, there's no way they're going to keep an undefeated Pac-12 team out uh, that's playing as well as Washington is. It's, it may not be the best conference, but they're not terrible. Like, there's good teams in there. Uh, some teams have underperformed off of what was expected. Yeah. Uh, you know, Stanford's not where everybody thought they would be. Oregon's mm-hmm. not where people thought they would be. USC uh, never is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, USC just, after Pete Carroll left, they just can't seem to find their way. Uh, but um, I'm not outraged by it. Uh, if if it was up to me, yes, I would have Washington there at that four spot. Um, but you know, it's the first one, and these will come out every week, and mm-hmm. put it out every week so people like us can talk and argue about it, complain about it, say it's it's the NCA is with especially with football, they're very smart. They can they they hold this playoff rank until the middle of the season where you might get into a little lull, and then. Let's inject a talking point in there. Let's throw these college mm-hmm. football rankings out there and leave it for the people to complain about. Yeah, you know, the other thing I think that's brilliant about the rankings is, and like I said, the first ranking is all smoke and mirrors. It's not, like you said, it's nothing more than a talking point. And I think they, it's almost like they purposefully hold the team out so the talking is elevated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my the, the point I've been making to everybody is show me one instance where the college football playoff committee has not honored a conference champion. There isn't one. So everybody going, how could they put Texas A&M there? It's like, guys, this is the first ranking. It's nothing more than that. Until they put in a team from a conference that is not a conference champion, I have no reason to think otherwise. Mm-hmm. So really, if as long as Washington wins – Everybody has to believe, based off of history, that they have to be in. Um, and, and like Darnell said, why would you keep an undefeated conference champion out? I don't care if you lose to the number one team in the country. I don't care if you lose to the last team in the country. A undefeated conference champion deserves to be in. I even believe a one-loss conference champion deserves to be in. 
the only problem I could potentially see in the future is what if we have five undefeated conference champions or five yeah. one-loss <clears throat> conference champions? Like, what happens if all these teams have the same record? Then they go to things like strength of schedule or whatever they claim to go by. But Yo, you know, it, it, yeah. What about that Western Michigan man? Hey, <laughs> hey! I'll tell you what. Row the boat. Row that boat. I'll tell you, PJ. Uh, honestly, I think PJ Fleck is setting himself up for a bigger job. Oh yeah, he, he, he's he's, to, he's phenomenal. Like he he gets those, he gets those players to believe. And he has Western on a path they've not been on. They're in line for a New Year's Day Six Bowl. Western Michigan. What yeah. have you ever thought? Seriously, like we're looking at teams, and well, I guess we're looking at a team that has had you know MAC success, has been to MAC championships, but we're talking Western on a national level that we've never seen them before. I think I think Western Michigan's. I I'd love to cheer for them. On New Year's Day, I would love to. I think it'd be great. <laughs> oh yeah, I think that's one a a Wolverine fan and Spartan fan can agree with. Uh, you know, yeah, it, we we can cheer for Western. I mean, yeah. I I love seeing Twitter blowing up uh, a couple nights ago just with how they were the numbers they were putting up. Yeah, uh, that receiver that they have is <laughs> Corey Davis is. <laughs> my goodness <laughs> yeah. well and, and and like i said i think i think the what that boils down to and i think you'd agree pj flex just a coach that's better than the mac yeah uh, he the, the thing is is he's now been there long enough to really implement what he wants to do and you know he if you've ever seen a western michigan football game on tv they always show the pj fleck pregame speech if you've not seen one, go watch one. There, I want to play for that guy, and I don't even play football. Like I feel like he could get me pumped over anything. Yeah, he he's just on another level in that conference. Conference. This is like yeah. back when Brian Kelly was coaching Grand Valley and Division oh, yeah. was just like this. <laughs> this is not fair. Yeah, I mean, how many guys go from Grand Valley to? Notre Dame in a few years, yeah, not, not many, and I, and I think PJ Fleck could be on on pace to take that next step and get into a Power Five. Now, granted, it could be one of the smaller schools in the Power Five, but you have to take smaller steps to take the big steps. So yeah. uh, I think I think PJ Fleck setting himself up for something big, uh, getting to a New Year's Day six game that's huge, potentially win it. That really sets up the rest of his career. All right, uh, both your squads uh, duked it out last week. Um, what were you guys' thoughts on that Michigan Michigan State game? Uh, let me go see. first. So you oh, oh, okay. Well, it, <laughs> it, it, there may not be as much gloating as you think. So, all right. I mean, the outcome happened that most people thought as far as who would win. Uh, definitely, it was a surprise at how the game went. Yeah. Uh, you know, as far as the players go, uh, they. They fought. Uh, I don't have too many issues with it, but as far as the outcome, I actually am a little bit mad. Not saying that we would have won, but I have to put a lot of blame on the coaching staff right now. Uh, and you know, like you guys know, I'm I'm pretty supportive of Coach Antonio, but uh, decision number one, starting Tyler O'Connor over Brian Lewerke, 
Uh, I know Lorick ended up breaking his leg. He's out for the year. Sad Which year. is kind of a double whammy for Michigan yeah. State right now. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know how you have a quarterback that's been playing pretty well. You've committed to him for a couple games, and you and you start. I know it's a big game against your your rival, and I guess that was the reason for starting a senior quarterback. But he's just not as good as Lord. And, I mean, that first drive, they were gangbusters. They, I mean, it was, it was all uh, L.J. Scott basically running over him. And, you know, he – he was the star of that game on Michigan State's side, of course. Uh, but once they started keying on him a little bit and putting more in the box, O'Connor couldn't push him back off when it was time to pass the football. Mm-hmm. Comes the third, late in the third quarter, you put Lewerke in, the offense starts moving again, and I'm looking, I'm just like, if you would have had him in the whole time, he seems to have a better grasp of the offense, more of a connection with the receivers. I think you wouldn't have had to try to play and do all these wacky things to try to keep an edge. I think they would have mm-hmm. been a game they could have played a regular game. And then issue number two, some of the play calls, like four mm-hmm. straight runs at the two-yard line. I know LJ Scott had been doing well, but you throw a play action in there, they're surrounding the guy. You probably could have got somebody wide open in the end zone. And then not taking field goals when you could get them. The weird two-point conversion at the end of the game, I mean, it was over anyway, so no harm, no foul on it, but it's like, that was just... I was so disappointed in the coaching that game. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying I know exactly why that two-point conversion happened. But to, to an extent, I, I think, and, you know, this isn't something I'm bragging about because, honestly, I could care less about it. But I, I think Harbaugh got to D'Antonio's head at the end of that game. You know, yeah. Harbaugh constantly going for it, constantly, not necessarily trying to run up the score, but trying to never back down. Mm-hmm. I think that forced D'Antonio into that last-minute two-point conversion because n- nobody could understand why it was even happening. And then it just backfired in the whole thing but yeah it, it, it was it was a very odd moment um, knowing you didn't need it and then knowing it wouldn't make a difference with one second on the clock because even if you run an onside kick and recover you have to return the and you can't even return an onside yeah. kick yeah. so touch the ball that's your second yeah that runs off the clock so it was kind of like, like even even you said it was it was a very odd coaching decision but yeah so i mean i i guess in terms of michigan uh the result was what we needed uh the result puts us number three in the college football playoff you know i've as the saying goes it doesn't have to be pretty but you have to win a win's a win um and i think that's kind of what michigan fans are walking away with uh the first half went to plan i think for michigan fans the the first drive by michigan state you just kind of shake your head and say all right well let's just not let that happen again i mean that that kind of came out of nowhere from michigan state as of late who had kind of struggled to do everything so that was kind of a surprise drive and i think that kind of pumped up michigan state for the rest of the game and and I would even argue that that was potentially one of Michigan's that was I think Michigan State's best defensive game of the year despite oh, yeah, letting up sure. thirty despite letting up thirty two I still think they played very well, um, 
offensively, I, I think, like you said, Darnell, it came down more to play calling than execution. Uh, because I, I, I think Michigan State played actually their first, if not second best game of the year. You, you can argue that Notre Dame game. They, they played very well offensively against Notre Dame. But, you know, I, I still think that was a one or two game for Michigan State for sure. Um, but, you know, like I said, first first half with Michigan's way, they kind of did everything they needed to offensively, defensively, had a 17-point lead going into the half. Um, and then the second half happened, and the third quarter was a stalemate. Nobody scored. Uh, you know, it, to me, that was just Michigan, just their defense being their defense, and their offense kind of struggled a little there in the in the second half. I mean, uh, you know, Wilton Spate threw an interception on a wheel route to the running back that he had no business throwing. He won under threw him and two threw a jump ball to a running back. Uh, just really a very poor decision that State intercepted and returned quite a ways, and I think that led to a four and out, uh, a fourth down that they didn't con- convert on, which Michigan kind of lucked out on, because that, that, that could have equaled seven the other way. Uh, but, but, I mean, you know, in the, once Lewerke got in, I don't know if Michigan – got well one they got soft coverage and started giving up yards and then it got to the point where it looked like their defense wasn't being aggressive anymore and they were just holding on and it kind of got nerve-wracking with five or six minutes left and you're just wondering is it going to be a collapse is it are they going to hold on and I think both fan bases were kind of feeling this very odd tension at the end knowing it shouldn't even be there but for some reason both teams are in a position to win this game and you almost didn't know what was going to happen and like I said for me it was just a very odd feeling um but but I'll tell you when when the first quarter got over with I said I I told you know my brother I was like Michigan needs to score the ball because Michigan State's possessing it the way they need to and Michigan scored in their first possession. They had to answer Michigan State there, but you know, only one possession from Michigan in the first quarter had me had me a little worried early. Because it's one thing I've told you, Darnell. Michigan State wins games by possessing the ball. They don't do anything too flashy. They don't do anything that blows you out of the water. They just score and possess the ball. So you know, I thought you know, Michigan could potentially need to make the most of what they would get. Um, but like I said, the second quarter, they really did take advantage of what they had with the ball and the defense settled in and played, you know, what Michigan defense is expected to be playing right now with under Don Brown. But, um, you know, I guess one highlight for me or something I take away is, you know, Jabril Peppers kind of had a complete all around game, scored an offensive touchdown, played well defensively, made, made some big tackles. Uh, got that two-point conversion at the end. He just has a nose for the football. You know, he he was kind of like Michigan's leadership in a lot of ways on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, made some made some big plays on both sides. And, um, you know, he's setting himself up to at least make a trip to New York. I don't think he's going to win the Heisman, but you know, being able to make a trip there is going to be a, a big positive for him. So. 
Uh, I liked the way he played. I liked the way our defense played for three quarters. Uh, Lewerke chewed him up a little at the end there. And, you know, I'll agree with you, Darnell. Lewerke breaking his leg, I think, is the worst news for Michigan State because the guy you're going to move forward with, you can't even give him the rest of the season, and your team's already way out of it. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's that's very unfortunate for Michigan State, and I feel for them there because it's it, – it, he's basically just losing time that that that's basically what he's doing right now he's losing game experience uh, but if if i were michigan state i would have rolled with him for minute one success or failure i would have rolled with him because you know future guy next year yeah totally agree uh so like i said i think that was a that was i had a big issue with that soon as soon as i saw Connor walking out with the starting offense i was like what are we doing i, I don't like it he, he even with even with the touchdown i was like i, I just all, don't get it well and, and like you said that, that that drive was all lj scott i mean o'connor yeah. o'connor for some reason really struggles to throw the ball mm-hmm. and 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 i mean like peewee struggles to throw the ball he doesn't make decisions he, yeah he, yeah, he I think it feels like he's in his own head every play yeah, you know, um, I forgot who it was, but you know, I think it's an NFL guy. They say he always wants to make the right decision. He wants to make the right decision so bad that it that you know he misses the obvious play. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. It's like I said, it was just kudos to to Michigan. They they did what they needed to do. They won the game. Peppers was he he made his he 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 gave he had a highlight real game for himself i uh, give him a lot of credit he he was everywhere he was blowing people up he was running the ball uh the, the last play uh this is going to be a memorable one memorable one uh like mm-hmm. i said i think a lot of coaching issues especially in the red zone where they had three red zone trips where they didn't get points just I, I think they left a lot on the field and had missed a big chance to make that game special on state side. Yeah. Oh, you got anything else to add, Ty? No, but I, I mean, I was just going to, I was basically just going to add, you know, like, like Darnell said, Michigan did what they needed to do. And at, at this point in the season, Michigan just needs to be undefeated meeting Ohio state. Uh you know, basically, it would it would be nice for Ohio State to get one more loss because if Michigan plays them undefeated, they basically have nothing to worry about with the result of that game. They'd be in the Big Ten championship, but I'm not expect I'm not going to expect Ohio State to lose before they meet Michigan. So that that just makes that game very traditional, if you will. Uh, you know, very very Woody and Bo-esque very you know just everything's on the line for both teams there but you know i feel you know moving forward as as much as i don't want to talk this way you know michigan setting themselves up for a consolation rose bowl and as much as i would love to see them in the college football playoff because there's a little more pride there that's a shot at the national championship uh you know, I think a Rose Bowl in Harbaugh's second year will be nothing to frown at. So as much as I don't want to start talking consolation, I think it's going to be okay for Michigan fans to remember that could potentially be the at-worst situation for us. So um, 
I'm still going to be hoping for the playoff. I'm going to hope for, you know, a shot at the Big Ten title. So I'm going to hope for at least one more Ohio State loss. I'm really pulling for Nebraska this week. Because, uh, like I said, as long as Michigan can take care of business and get to Ohio State undefeated, if Ohio State loses one more, Michigan would own the tiebreaker with Penn State if they run the table. So, you know, just a lot of what-ifs still to go around. But uh, Michigan has set themselves up for a really good year, um, despite a lot of outcomes that could potentially happen. All right, now next uh, we're about to talk about the Cornhuskers. Um, they had a pretty tough uh, week last week against Wisconsin. Uh, they held their own, even though they did lose. Uh, did you guys think that they showed that they were for real last week? On on the road at Wisconsin, I, I think they, they played well enough to win the game. They got into overtime. They had that fourth quarter magic they seem to have you know just they're always behind in the fourth quarter and they find a way to either take the lead tie it up whatever they need to do but you know I, I think Camp Randall's a very tough place to play ask anyone who's played there ask anybody in the Big Ten that travels there that's that's a tough place to go and try and win a football game so for Nebraska to go there and lose it's like yeah that's a tough loss to take especially at this point in the year but you're playing a good Wisconsin team, a team that we all said we think is better than two losses. It's just the fact that look at who their two losses came against. Um, but I think that was the win Wisconsin needed and the loss with Nebraska needed to avoid. Yeah, I mean, they they definitely showed that they they weren't undeserving of of their record. They, they took Wisconsin to overtime. That was like... Ty mentioned they were playing a team that we thought was way better than what their record shows. They, they lost good games against mm-hmm. two teams in the top five uh, of the playoff rankings, even. So, six. Uh, six. six. Top six. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but yeah, so, yeah, Nebraska, they, they showed they were, they're a tough team. Uh, yeah. They're going to be a tough out for anybody that plays mm-hmm. them. They just. They, they came up against a team that, uh, like, two of us felt is just a little bit better of a team. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, there's hope. There's there's yeah. always hope. Yeah. So I mean, uh, I could. It was good that they stayed in it, even with uh, Tommy Armstrong not really having the greatest of a game. Uh, two picks, only threw four hundred and fifty three yards. Uh, but they also they held Wisconsin's quarterbacks pretty low as well. Uh, Hornybrook was out for a little bit. He got banged up but came back. Uh, but between him and Houston, they only threw for 114 yards. So, I mean, this was one of those old-school Big Ten battles where like mm-hmm. the ground game ruled all. I mean, Nebraska rushed for 152, Wisconsin for 223 altogether, like, that and and the defenses, both defenses played great. Absolutely. I gotta say that uh, absolutely. Both forcing defense. turnovers. Yeah. Oh yeah. They 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 both showed where where their strength was, and it, it was on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, you know, com- completely agree there. I mean, in the in the fourth quarter, if it seemed like for a while neither team was doing anything, as both sides were forcing turnovers. I mean, the same guy. I think it was for. I think it's for Nebraska. The same guy made two picks in two consecutive defensive possessions. Yeah, 
you know, but I, I think both of those teams are going to be the classic never go away team, always hanging around, find a way to stay in it. Um, but unfortunately, one of them is going to be, well, not really unfortunately, but for one of the schools, unfortunately, one of them has to represent the East or the West yeah. for the Big Ten. And both, like, they kind of deserve it. So they, they'll fight it out. You know, Wisconsin helped themselves out by winning that game, getting a game back. Uh, now they just have to hope Nebraska loses once more. And I think they're hoping to see that this week. Yep. All right, now we got a big game this week to watch uh, between Alabama and LSU, uh, one of my favorite rivalries in the NCAA. Um, what do you guys thoughts on this matchup uh, for this upcoming week? I mean, as always, I think it's going to be a, a good hard-fought game, especially LSU seems to have found an offense now. Uh, so, And the, the defense is, has never left. So I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be a a good game, uh, but I mean, I I just think Alabama has a little bit too much for them, so they they pull away late. But definitely, uh, it's appointment viewing. Yeah, you know, it seems like whenever you put a challenge in front of Alabama, they rise to it and then some. Uh, you know, you threw Tennessee at them, and they kind of scoffed and laughed and had fun on the field. Then you throw Texas A&M at them, and they kind of pull the same gig. So it, it seems like Alabama is the team that has all the answers, has the cheat sheet, if you will. You know, they they never fail the test. So I'm not expecting anything different. So uh, I'm, I'm going to expect the, the defense to play big like they have all year, and I'm going to expect Jalen Hurts to have another great defining moment where a lot of people say, could this be the time he slips up? And he goes out and just excels. You know, I, he's one player I've been very impressed with this year, and I think everybody's been impressed with him because he was on nobody's radar week one, mm-hmm. even. And I mean, training camp, I don't even know if many people were looking at him to be the guy to lead this team as the number one team in the country. Eight, no. You know, I, I, I think <clears throat> if, if you want to talk about surprise players this year in college football, I think you have to look at Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think he's he's made his way into some people's Heisman ballots. Uh, I mean, he's was he had two straight games now with like a hundred yards passing and and rushing. Yeah, yeah something like that. So. Yeah, I mean, but the only unfortunate thing is Lamar Jackson plays the same position. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he'll probably get that Peppers type treatment where he might get himself a trip to New York. He may not win, but yeah, you know. yeah. All right, guys, you guys ready for the pickums? I had to make up some ground, so yes. <laughs> All right, we got Darnell. Uh, he's number one with 23 out of 33. And me and Ty, we are tied with 21 out of 33. Um, first game we're about to get into is Alabama versus LSU. Uh, Bama, they have a minus seven and a half point lead for the spread. Who do you guys got? Give me Alabama. You know, I can't spend my time talking them up to not pick them. All right. Yeah, same here. I basically just alluded to it. I uh, think Alabama wins it, pulling away late. Uh, I just think they're they're not a team that Fournette can 
beat down. Uh, it's probably actually a game where uh, Alabama's probably going to force LSU to beat them through the air. Uh, I think they're going to stack up and you know keep that keep that brick wall of a D line that they have set and keep them linebackers filling gaps too. So yeah, I, I got Alabama winning this one. Uh, let's say. 28 18 right. yeah just just real quick for for my score I have a similar score I have actually 28 16 okay um sorry Derek but roll damn tide um <laughs> I'm gonna go with Alabama this one too uh, I think they're gonna do a good job of shutting down uh for net uh, like they have been doing uh like they did last year um had pretty great defense against them uh, so I think, yeah, LSU is going to try to beat them through the air, but I don't think they will. Uh, do got this being a good game. I do have Alabama winning 23-13. to 13. Up next, we have Oklahoma State versus Kansas State. Um, Kansas State, they have a minus three uh, lead for spread. Who you guys got? Yeah, this seems like a very odd game for us to be picking. Uh, yeah. J- j- just because, you know, well, granted, we haven't talked about either of these teams at all this year. And, you know, Oklahoma State has at times put up a ton of points, and they've also lost to Central Michigan. So what do you do with them? It's kind of tough to tell which team's going to show up here. But <laughs> Had to throw in some hard ones, guys. Yeah, but, but it's also kind of weird because Kansas State, nobody's really talked about them at all this year. But, you know, they always seem – you know, quietly be taking care of, care of some business. And so this one really hard for me to pick, uh, but I'll probably, I'll, I'll take, I'll take Oklahoma state on this one. I, I think they can do it offensively. Uh, Kansas state, I think is just the definition of don't be flashy. Just do your job. Uh, Coach Snyder knows what he's doing in Manhattan. He kind of owns that town. So but I'll still go Oklahoma State. I'll take them 35 to 20. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Sooners here, too. Uh, but yeah, yes. Cowboys? The Cowboys, yeah. Oh, Cowboys. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, so wow. Thinking wrong Oklahoma here. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we talk about. Them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, going with the Cowboys here. The offense, I think, is just going to be a little too potent for uh, – the Wildcats. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, still, I think it'll be a pretty decently high scoring affair. Uh, you know, when you score quickly, usually your defense is on the field a lot, so they'll probably give up a lot. So I will go with the soon the Cowboys, thirty one to twenty four. <laughs> is that a question? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. <laughs> All right, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Oklahoma State on this one as well. I just think they're a better team, you know, even though they're going to be playing um, away on this one. Uh, I think they're going to uh, pass it out in the air, uh, be able to be successful uh, with it. So I have Oklahoma State winning this one 31-24. Um, to 24, I'm going to go with Darnell. No question, no. That's, that's a prediction. <laughs> All right, up next we have uh, some Big Ten uh, teams clashing it out. Uh, we have Wisconsin versus Northwestern. Um, Wisconsin, they have a minus six and a half lead for the spread on this one. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm going to tend to go with uh, Wisconsin here, coming off a big win last week. Now, granted, Northwestern's coming off a really good performance against Ohio State on the road. Uh, they're carrying some momentum with them right now. Um, fun to watch. Uh, I love Coach, Coach Fitzpatrick. I think he does a phenomenal job um, with Northwestern and that team. Uh, always gets them pumped up. You know, when what looked like they were going to have a lost season at the beginning of the year, they really saved themselves. And I think a lot of that has to be set for Fitzpatrick and uh, and you know the way he gets his team prepared every week. But I, I'm going to go with Wisconsin. Uh, I think they've showed enough against the big time teams to uh, basically force me to pick them. You know, losing by one possession to Ohio State and Michigan, and then beating Nebraska. Uh, so I, I'm I'm going to go Wisconsin here in a closer game than a lot of people might think. I'm actually going to go 28 to 21. All right. Yeah, I actually find this one a little tricky, too, because it's, it's two teams that uh, have the pen- potential to be letdowns because of the week before, and mm-hmm. but on the other hand, it has the potential for them to be kind of hyped up and excited. You know, Wisconsin got a big win over uh, the team they're looking up to on their side of the conference. Northwestern played a very good game against uh, one of the best teams in the country. Uh, so I'm, I'm just wondering if one of these teams comes in a little more relaxed, Wisconsin, because they're going from playing Nebraska to playing a 4-4 four four Northwestern or Northwestern kind of blowing their load against Ohio State. Uh, but I will stick with the Badgers. I just think they have a little too much talent. Uh, kind of with Ty, I think it might be a little bit closer than people expect. So I will go with Wisconsin 24 to 17. All right. Uh, I'm going to go Wisconsin as well. Uh, I think they're going to, um, be physical, uh, try to pound the ball and everything against uh, Northwestern. Um, just like you guys, uh, too. Uh, I do believe that this game is going to be closer than a lot of people think um, as well. So I have Wisconsin winning 24-20. to 20. And then up yeah. next... Oh, okay. Ooh. Yeah, r- r- real real quick. One player to look out for is the wide receiver for Northwestern. I can't remember his name, but... Hill or it, something like that? Yeah, yeah I, I can't remember, but... but uh, He's smaller he's, guy. He's leading the conference in, or lead. Yeah, lead. is it uh, Car? Car. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, look out for him. Great player. He's he's been killing it this. Year. I think he could potentially be a big difference maker if Northwestern wins the game. Okay, he's like the second coming of Wes Walker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, up next, we have Iowa versus Penn State. Um, Penn State, they have a minus seven and a half uh, point lead for the spread in this one, uh, in this game. So what are you guys thinking about this matchup? Once again, another interesting one. Um, Penn State, a very quiet six and two. Um, Iowa's really had to pick it up to be five and three. So once again, I was playing some better football on the road. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I think this game could show whether Penn State can live up to that six and two record or not. Uh, 
if, if Iowa wins this game, it's going to be from their run game and their defense. Uh, their, their passing game hasn't really been there much this year, so their run game's been doing it for them a little bit lately. So at Penn State, I think I'm going to – I think I'm going to go with the home team. I think they, they really know what they have at stake in the Big Ten East and want to keep that alive. So I'm going to go with Penn State here. Once again, a, a pretty close game, not very high scoring. So I'm going to go 27 to 24. All right. Yeah, I'm going going Penn State as well. Uh, just They've been playing a lot better football to me. Uh, I was 5-3. and three. Uh they haven't played quite the schedule Penn State has, uh, and Iowa's kind of underperforming to what we expected from them off of uh, the, what they did last year. Uh, I don't see him stopping Barkley, so I, I think yeah. Penn State's able to just kind of control the game, pull this one out. Uh, I think they win kind of comfortably, so um, I'm going with uh, Penn State 31-21. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Penn State as well um, for this one. Uh, you know, yeah, like you said, Darnell Barkley has been a beast. Uh, 147 attempts uh, with 888 yards and 10 touchdowns. So I think he's going to get a lot of carries this game and uh, help lead Penn State to victory. Do have this one being very close as well. So I'm going to go with Penn State 24 to 20. And last but not least, Nebraska versus the Ohio State University. Ohio State, they have a minus 17-point lead for the spread. Uh, what are you guys thinking? I really want to pick Nebraska. I will be <laughs> cheering for Nebraska. I will pray for Nebraska. I will do whatever. For you got to make grounds. Go for Nebraska, man. Uh, okay, well, let's think logically here. Uh, you JT, you pick ops. If you don't pick up, then you're right. That's true. That is true. JT Barrett is going to be at home. He's going to be comfortable. Uh, I I think, you know, I, I just think Ohio State has a better coach. I think Ohio State has a better, you know, quarterback, better defense. But I do think there's always one upset we talk about every year. And I think this could potentially be the one that picked, that puts Ohio State out of the picture. And the, re- the reason I say that is because I-, I think Nebraska's defense played a great game last week on the road. I think Nebraska's defense is able to force turnovers and stop offenses. The only issue with Nebraska I have is Tommy Armstrong. I, I'm not sold there on you him. go. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm not sold on him one bit. Um, he he always seems to have okay numbers, but he's always some stupid 12 for 40 or 12 for 36. Yeah. Like his number, his percentage is terrible, but they find a way to be in every game and they find a way to they, they just find a way to do it. But as I recall, Ohio State lost a big one at home at night last year. I like to say history repeats itself. <laughs> just because Darnell 
begged me to do it. I'm gonna pick Nebraska. I'm gonna pick Nebraska. I'm gonna pick against Ohio State every time from here on out because I have faith in my Michigan team. Right. So I, I to have <laughs> Yeah. So I, I'm gonna go Nebraska. Jeez. Uh 2118. All right. Low, low scoring game here. Okay. Okay. I well, think, I, well, honestly, I think it would have to be if Nebraska wants a shot. So I'm about to go against everything Ty said he wants to happen. Okay. Uh, I think, ex- extend your lead. <laughs> 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 I, I think uh, Nebraska suffers that big letdown that I was talking about earlier. They they played a heck of a game against Wisconsin, took it to OT, and then came up short. Yes, they're going to be angry, but I don't think they muster enough to do that again against Ohio State. I think they get boat raced, actually. So uh, I'm I'm going with Ohio State here, 41-21. Wow, wow. Let me put it this way. I won't be surprised if that happens. <laughs> this is a very biased pick. <laughs> and I'm okay to admit that. I am very okay to admit that. Yeah. I'm going to have to go with Ohio State on this one as well. Um, I just think overall they're just a better talented team. Um, and plus they're going to be playing at home too. I think they're going to be really comfortable playing, um, you know, in their environment. But I am a little bit nervous about Ohio State. I have not really been impressed um, how they've been playing uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, they've been having some close games. So I do think this one is going to be closer than a lot of people will think. Uh, I'm going to go with Ohio State 24-20. All right, guys, any other thoughts um, for NCAA football uh, before we move on? Glad to know I'll have the lead next weekend. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. We'll yeah, we'll see. <laughs> well, no, you actually. Well, yeah, you, you really can. You, I'll yeah. still be about one at least. Yeah, you, you will. Hey, yeah. I'll shave some points uh, from down the road, Ty, so don't worry. I got you back. Huh. Man. I, I can see what the total <laughs> is from week to week. Hey, I'll stop yeah, sending I them think, out. I think Tran's going back on the record and saying we picked some teams we didn't. <laughs> I still got them saved, man, on my phone. So, yeah, I, I'll do that for you, Ty. Oh, we're losing you. Can you guys hear me? I heard something. Okay, up next, uh, we're about to get into is the NFL. Um, just came out uh, yesterday, I believe, um, with Andre Johnson. He's uh, re- going to be retiring. Uh, what do you guys thoughts on that when you first heard it? Um, it's a surprise, I guess. I mean, you weren't expecting to hear that he was going to walk away. Uh, it's been a weird year with him and Arian Foster both calling in midseason. Yeah, that is uh, correct. Not something you, you usually see where people call it call the year before it's over. Uh, but, I mean, great receiver, one of the all-time greats. Uh, too bad he spent most of his career with a bad team, so didn't get to have much 
postseason success, but I mean, same with Cal, always, yeah. Uh, but I mean, definitely a, a receiver where his numbers will probably get him get him into the hall. Yeah, you know, once again, solid career. I, I think you hit that very well. Just just the numbers are there for him. You know, he had the ability to go up and get it. He had the ability to run after the catch. He he was a complete receiver. Physically, mentally, he ran good routes, had great hands. You know, just he did everything you wanted in a wide receiver. He could block, um, you know, and, you know, we, we were talking about it a little bit before we got on, you know, you know Andre Johnson moments. Well, what's your favorite Andre Johnson moment? And, you know, I, I have to go to the Portland Finnegan fight because nothing, <laughs> nothing is better than watching two people who absolutely hate each other fight. <laughs> um, you know, it's one reason I like hockey so much. But, you know, just that that fight, I think, encompassed a lot about the passion that Andre Johnson actually had for the game. And I don't think a lot of people got to see that. Um, I think if you ever heard him talk about his career, um, you, just the way you watched him play the game, he played like he cared. He played like he had a lot of passion. Um, always wanted the ball, always willing to go get it. Uh, wasn't scared to back down to anybody. Um, like Darnell said, it was kind of a surprise that it happened when it did. I mean, I think it's been obvious for a few years now he's been fading out. Um, and now that it's not really playing at all, uh, calling it quits is probably his best option before he suffers a big injury or something like that. You know, it just it, it's hard to see people you watch up or you, you uh, you watch growing up and hard to see people that are actually really good, not have a lot of success and call it. But, um, you know, I, I think, I think it's a good time for him to, uh, you know, fought, fought some injuries in his career, but nothing crazy serious. No, he's not, who knows if he's going to be one of the guys battling, you know, CTE or anything like that, but, uh, you know, solid, solid career. Um, another good one come to a close. All right, guys, any other thoughts on him? Wish him well. Yeah. Same here. Um, up next, we're about to get into Cam Newton. Um, it's not so obvious. Uh, he's been taking some hits uh, throughout his career. Uh, this past weekend, he was talking about his frustrations and just going to Roger Goodell to talk about it. Um, what do you guys think about that? Was it the right move uh, or what? I mean, I'm not mad at him for it. He's, he's thinking about his own safety and his career. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there's always been that, like, I see it for both sides. Uh, you know, mobile quarterbacks seem to be allowed to take a lot bigger hits than your traditional pocket passers. Uh, and, but, like, I, I'm, I'm fine with it if they're outside of the pocket and they are actually a runner. But a lot of the hits that Cam is taking these days is when he's behind center, like, dropping back for a pass. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just because he's a big guy and he can take some hits, that, that doesn't mean you, you can allow open season on him. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I'm definitely behind him. And, I mean, the video is there, like, He's yeah. taking hits that anybody else would like. If it was Tom Brady taking some of the hits he took, some people would be suspended. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. That's about the only thing I can say about it. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I, I have no issues with him. Like he, he, he's, he's earned stature in the league. This isn't like some hot shot Ricky or something trying to say something. This is a guy that's been around for a while. He's been the league quarterback for a while. He was in the Super Bowl last year. Uh, MVP. So yeah, he, he's one of the league's faces. So I, I think he has the right to go to the commissioner and say, Hey, why am I not getting the same treatment that uh, a Tom Brady or a Ben Roethlisberger would get? Uh, taking a hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I think he has the right to go to Roger Goodell, and you know, even at that point, just you know, probably going to Goodell and asking why aren't the officials doing their job? Because basically, they're not. Um, I understand, like it's it's an official's job to protect a quarterback, but I also think there's a difference between protecting a quarterback and blatantly watch a guy get beat up and mm-hmm. not not do anything about it Um, because it's one thing to call a low hit it's another to not call all these hits to the head Um, you know the only thing I think I fear for Cam Newton at this point is him going to Goodell either A gets him this quote unquote tattletale reputation or second other players start to say he's soft you're going to go to Goodell talk to him and then hit him even harder. Like, I, I hope that doesn't happen uh, because I, I think Cam Newton is a very, you know, respectable guy. I think he he plays the game the right way and he just wants other people to play it the right way too. And, and I don't think you can blame him for that. Uh, I think he, he can have great success in the league and have a fantastic career. Uh, I think it's just the idea that he's, he's just getting fed up. And I don't, like I said, I don't think we can blame him for that. It, it's just the idea that I, I just hope other players don't view this as a tattletale mentality because in reality, he's just trying to stay healthy. Uh, if, if he keeps getting hit in the head like this, he'll be retiring in three to five years when he should easily have another 10 to 12 in the league. Uh, you know, granted, he may have to lose the run game a little bit, but he should still have another at least another 10 years in the league. He's good. He can throw the ball well enough. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think I said a couple of uh, weeks ago that I'm really concerned about his health um, since he just keeps getting like some terrible hits, especially like the one that comes to my mind was uh, that Denver game uh, when he was slow to get up after that one hit. So. Definitely, I don't mind him doing it. Uh, you know, I understand too, Ty, with the whole tattletale issue and everything like that. But end of the day, you know, your health is what matters most. So if that's what he wants to do, um, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Yep. All right, guys. Now we are basically halfway through the NFL season um, right now. Uh, looking at the uh, season so far, um, who's your MVP so far? <laughs> uh, he doesn't play on that great of a team, but I guess the name that's coming to me is Drew Brees. Uh, he's playing like he's in the middle of his career right now. Uh, it seems like he's good for 300 yards and two touchdowns every week. Uh, I think he's a candidate or uh, maybe a Matt Ryan. 
or or somebody that we spoke of last week, but I'll let Ty take it since I figure he'll probably throw his name in the hat. Matthew Stafford, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, it, but in reality, um, I would agree with the Matt Ryan pick right now. He's leading the league in passing yards at over 2,600, almost 200 more than Kirk Cousins. And just under 300 of the player. You also mentioned Drew Brees. Uh, I think Matt Ryan's having a phenomenal year. If he can keep this up, he definitely has himself right at the right at the peak of that discussion. Um, and I almost feel like it's easier for a quarterback to win an MVP than it is for any other position. Yeah, but right. if we want to look, I mean, if if we want to, you know, throw a, another name in there that may not be a wide receiver uh, you know if you know he he keeps it up maybe scores a few more touchdowns I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking maybe in Ezekiel Elliott uh, I think he needs Great to do season. a little bit more than he yeah, yeah I, mean, I think he needs to be doing a little more than he currently is but uh, he's having a phenomenal year I think he has rookie of the year kind of locked up uh, oh, sure yeah. uh, well so he hit him or his teammate yeah yeah, yeah, that that's that that is true. Um, I think they'll be two of the front run. Well, probably the two front runner. But you know, right now, I I like Matt Ryan. I think he's doing a phenomenal job. He's having another great game tonight. I can pull up his stats right here. He's twenty for twenty-eight for three hundred six and two touchdowns. So, I think he's having a phenomenal year. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we hear his name at the end of the season. Yeah. <clears throat> no, all right, guys. Uh, so far, what's your biggest surprise so far this year? Um, it's the season. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> uh, I know they're uh my my team that I root for and follow, but. I don't think anybody expected them to only have one loss and be one of the, like, considered by most one of the top five teams in the NFL, especially with without their traditional starting quarterback and Tony Romo and having to throw a rookie under center and having a rookie running back and having the defense, which everybody thought would be god-awful. Uh, I think they are my biggest surprise. Uh, for yeah, me, I can know, get that. Uh, uh, but, you know, just for me, make it real quick. Uh, I say Minnesota. Um, I touched on it a little while back, but, uh, for them to lose their quarterback, you know, a beast in Adrian Peterson and still, uh, like have the record that they have. Uh, for me, I'm pretty shocked by that too. But, uh, definitely Cowboys, uh, too, Darnell. They, they've been doing their thing, uh, with situations that they've been have, uh, since they lost Romo, um, and whatnot. So what were you going to say, Ty? Yeah, you know, I, I would agree. I think the Cowboys are 1A in that discussion. Um, you know, but I, I'll... You there, Ty? You know, are we going to look uh, at Trevor Simeon? Uh, we can hear I can hear you now. You, you, you good? Yeah, yeah, okay. Good? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm going to for another of trying to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, but I'm going to go ahead and say first year starting quarterbacks. Uh, you know, we have Trevor Simeon in Denver. Yeah. He's six and two. We have, uh, 
like I said, uh, Dak Prescott, six and one. Uh, you know, you could even talk about uh, Carson Wentz. The the Eagles are four and three. I mean, he had them at four four and zero, oh, but I mean, I don't think anybody saw him doing that. Uh, or he had them at three and zero. Oh. One of the two, but you know, I think he he's done pretty well for a rookie quarterback. And then you could say Brock Osweiler's kind of been a little bit of the opposite, despite being five and three. Uh, he he's you know not been very impressive for seventy two million dollars, but you know he has that team at five and three, so he's winning football games. And I think that's what you pay a quarterback to do, not necessarily throw for five hundred yards every game. So you know, I, I think first year quarterbacks have been doing really well this year uh very very impressive uh i wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple more first year quarterbacks get a shot before the end of the year uh, you can even talk about jimmy garoppolo and uh jacoby Brissett at, for the, the patriots for the first few games so i mean for first year quarterbacks have fared pretty well this year mm-hmm. that's a good one all right guys uh Last but not least, uh, Darnell, you kind of brought it up a little bit last week uh, when we were talking about the um, overtime situation last um, week. Also had a couple of overtimes, uh, could have had a couple of ties uh, this yeah. week as well. So, um, But you brought up uh, why the NFL ratings are so low. Um, if you guys could elaborate on that more, um, you know, just why do you think they're so low? and think a key reason is because of Colin Kaepernick or you think it goes beyond uh, further than that? I I wouldn't even put Kaepernick in my top 10 on the list of why ratings are down. Uh, I mean, I just, I think if I, if I had to break it down into a couple big things, one is just kind of oversaturation. Uh, college football has part to do with it. But, I mean, we have football, uh, what, when you get to this time of year, you have it basically six, seven days of the week. Yeah. We had Western Michigan play Tuesday. Uh, I'm not sure if there was a college game on last night, but you got Thursday night football. You usually have a Friday night college football game. You have college football Saturday. You have NFL Sunday. You have Monday night football. So, I mean, every day of the week you have a game to look at. So mm-hmm. I think that's part of it. Uh, with the millennial generation uh, that are quickly becoming adults and head of households, there's not as much cable packages being bought. So that True, cuts yeah. down on TV ratings. So if you want to watch a game, you got to go to a bar or you got to use somebody else's uh, cable login so you can use ESPN uh, Go or whatever it's called. Uh, so, I mean, between cord cutters, saturation, uh, social media, uh, like the NFL streaming games on Twitter, so I don't know how to use that for rating. And <laughs> I mean, it's... It, I, I just think it's just we're, we're getting to a new time where... Uh, they're going to have to find better ways to get that medium out. Uh, just traditional sitting in front of your TV and watching a game. It, 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 I don't think it'll ever go away, but it's it's not as big as it was. I mean, there's other things people 
can do. We've, we're we're in another kind of golden age of actual television shows. I mean, I mean, just think of over how many shows over the last five or six years that people are already calling like great TV shows of all time. You got well, Mad, Mad Men, The Walking Dead, Game the of Walking Thrones. Dead. And The Walking Dead's on Sunday nights yeah. during and, Sunday and night it, football. And, it, and it's beaten Sunday night football continually well, 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 for the last few years. Well, and, and what are your friends talking about Sunday morning? Are they talking about Walking Dead or Monday morning? Are they talking about The Walking Dead or are they talking about what happened in Sunday night football? Yeah, yeah and, and, They're talking I mean, about Walking Dead. and the other show I mentioned, it's on HBO even, but Game of Thrones is also a Sunday night show. Yeah. Is it? Okay. I, yeah, so, I didn't know that, but yeah, I yeah. know Game of Thrones is huge. Yeah, so this, I, I I just think there's lots of factors to it, and I mean it's the, it's just kind of an ebb and flow type deal. People are getting more into other sports again now. Look at the numbers the World Series did. Look at look at the numbers the presidential debates did. Look at the numbers that the NBA finals did yeah. uh, in this past year. Just people's interests are expanding too. I think it, it we're getting away from being a football only sports culture like the super bowl will always be huge but i mean people aren't just going to tune in for every single uh game and and finally i don't think fantasy football is as big as it has been anymore you you have your you have your diehard fans that still do it every year but i i I think all those websites aren't getting the traffic that they usually get for fantasy football anymore Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would not disagree there, and and I agree with your assessment that there's 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 factors pinpointed, uh, and and I would also argue, you know, for the last three weeks, there's been a greater sports story than anybody's probably really been able to comprehend. I mean, we we just had a 108 year drought end mm-hmm. with the Chicago Cubs. I mean, and, and I'll talk about them at the end of the show when, you know, Trey asks if we have anything else to talk about, because I think that deserves to be talked about. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys caught game seven, but that was probably the ever watched in my life. That was phenomenal. You know, it had absolutely everything you'd want in a baseball game. It had home runs. It had botched plays that turned huge. You know, it, it had a rain delay, extra innings. I mean, I, I honestly wanted that game to go as long as it could. Mm-hmm. Um, and and but when you have when you have a team like the Cubs, who are potentially the biggest fan base in America. I mean, they are now. Hashtag join the bandwagon. I was gonna uh, say everybody was a Cubs fan now. Yeah, outside but, of Cleveland and one yeah. Trayvon Samuel. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm, I I would even argue they're one of the top five fan bases in America. And yeah. if you whatever you consider it. And I still think they have one of the bigger followings. So, I mean, when, when you look at, you know, the last three and a half weeks have been the MLB playoffs and everybody's watching the Cubs. And, and I literally mean, everybody's watching the Cubs. So, you know, and I guess it's to Darnell's point. There's, there's just more things to be interested in right now. Uh, TV is at a high point. Uh, I think, you know, the things that have, regular viewership are taking precedence over football mm-hmm. and and i i don't necessarily know that the nfl needs to change what they're doing in order to try and get fans back uh, i think those who are going to watch football are going to watch football and those who are not watching football are not going to watch football no matter what you do 
Um, yeah. Now, I, I will say, though, with it being election time, that that's just part of it, but that's once every four years. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I think there are a lot of factors, but I also think some of it is, you know, maybe they're looking a little too into it, saying, all right, we're seeing a little bit of a dip. Now they're kind of freaking out. Uh, I mean, but but I, I can also understand where they're coming from as well. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's still like let's let's not overdo it. But it's still the number one sport in the yeah. United States. Uh, so I mean, it's not anything the NFL really needs to panic about. Uh, their TV contracts may not end up being quite as lucrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still making plenty of money. So yeah. I think it, it just may be one of those time frames where they got to accept that it's a different time frame. Uh, I mean, business is business. They're going to try and figure out ways to reach out and get fans back watching. Uh, but I mean, I mean, who knows? It also just may be one of those things where people are starting to realize how violent of a sport that it is too. Uh, I mean, there's already been, uh, reports and studies like telling parents not to let your kids play up until they get mm-hmm. to a certain age. So, I mean, it, it may come to a point where just it, it may be starting now too that just the quality of play is going down. I mean, I can't remember too many other seasons where we've had so many games that were just kind of ugly games, like a the six six tie in overtime, like yeah, rough in the yeah. NFL. Come on, so I mean, it's just. These, it just might be these are the breaks for the NFL right now. Yeah, and you know, on top of that, you know, I would even say some of the matchups are not even desirable when you look at some of these Monday night games. Like in reality, who really cares? Like who's blocking time out of their day to watch Minnesota and Chicago? Yeah, I don't even care that Chicago won the game. I could have cared less about it. Um, you know, so, you know, I propose the idea and I understand it's really tough with tickets and everything, but the NFL needs to find a way to make sure they're getting the optimal matchups in their primetime slots. Because I'm I, honestly, I'm tired of a lot of the best games being one o'clock regional coverage. Um, you know, we when th- they need to find a way to just and really get the teams people want to watch in prime time. And I don't care, you know, we need to get every team a prime time slot. Like nobody wants to watch Jacksonville on Monday night football. We all want to watch Patriots. We all want to watch Seattle. We all want to watch Arizona. Like I, I I don't care if I see Miami in prime time or not. I mean, I prefer not to because they're bad football, but (laughs) But it's the idea that the NFL tries to be fair with it. And I think if they're really worried about their ratings, they need to put the teams that the people want to watch. Well, and it may end up coming to that if they get desperate enough. Like basically every night game will include either New England, Dallas, Oakland, San Francisco, or yeah, New Orleans, the exciting or, team, yeah. high offense. Yeah. yeah. Or just huge markets that have – just solid fan bases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I me, I've never really been a uh, like huge NFL uh, guy to just take time off on Sundays and just watch a bunch of games. Um, I'm always been a, I've always been a college football guy. I just love the hype 
um, the atmosphere uh, and everything like that. Just like how the guys just hype up the games uh, for college and everything. I just feel like I'm a part of it, you know, just don't want to miss out a game. And then, you know, like you said, Ty, like sometimes they have like the Dolphins or somebody on at prime time. It's like, I don't care about this team. So it's like, I really don't want to watch this. So yeah, me, I've, you know, I've always been a, uh, college football guy you know every week they're always hyping like the best game you know check this out and it's like I don't feel like that's happening in the NFL with some of the games as they put on as prime time so that's just for me yeah and I mean that could have something to do with it too uh I mean college football is actually still doing fine yeah but um, something I was just speaking to colleges they have their built-in fan bases because they have mm-hmm. alumni and they yeah. have whatever their regional market is. I mean, like we talk about it on this show, like I went to Michigan state. So, I mean, I'm going to watch any one of their games and the big 10 for the most part, just cause these are teams that I grew up with and I spent uh, my college career watching these teams play my team. So, that's something the NFL kind of doesn't have set, especially if your team is a traditional loser and you're in a state that's <laughs> not very marketable. Uh, so like Cleveland Browns, they don't get much viewership and they're yeah. terrible. Cincinnati, yeah. they're good and they don't get much uh, viewership. Jacksonville, who cares about Jacksonville? Yeah. So it's just... Uh, uh, some of those factors might just be coming coming into play with the NFL. Uh, we still like our football, but yeah, people seem to be trending more towards I'll watch the college game. Well, and, and another thing, the college, I don't even know who's in charge of it, the schedule makers, I guess is what I'm going to call them. But one thing they do is it could be week four, and there's still games with a, pre, with a to-be-determined time. Uh-huh. Like Michigan-Ohio State time, which called a noon game, was decided like two weeks ago. So I'm looking at the NFL and it's like, okay, why don't you make your Monday night, Sunday night, and Thursday night matchups till like week four and then figure out, all right, who's got the good records? Let's put them, let's put them primetime because people will watch two four and O teams squaring off as opposed to a one and three team versus a two and two team. They they do. The NFL does do it with Sunday night games. It's just the the Thursday and Mondays are predetermined. Okay. Well, so, uh, you know, granted, I'm okay with the Thursday night kind of being a crapshoot. I'm okay with that because it's in reality, it's Thursday night football. It's not real traditional. It's, it's an opportunity for teams to get national coverage basically on a night that nobody really cares about football. So I'm okay with like tonight, Atlanta versus Tampa Bay. Like I like watching Atlanta, but I don't really care about Tampa Bay at this point. unless I, for some reason have a fantasy football cheering interest. So I'm okay with Thursday night being whatever they want it to be. But, you know, I, I want Monday night football to be a good matchup. I, I want to look forward to Monday night football. I want to look forward to Sunday night football. Granted, Sunday is like a full slate. It's an all-you-can-eat buffet. But, you know, why why not say, okay, let's let's schedule till week five or six, and then from there on we make our schedule – well, you like I said, I understand travel. I understand tickets. I, I, I do, but I, I almost feel like there has to be a better way to get better matchups in prime time. In prime time. Yes. 
All right, guys. Uh, I think we covered a lot on the ratings. Um, you guys ready for the pickums? Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> Darnell, he's a top dog, 17 out of 34. I'm second, 16 out of 34. And Tyler is 15 out of 34 oh, for the picks. We're, we're so. making up ground this week. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, y'all know the deal. Who already goes first? Uh, Detroit versus Minnesota. Who you got? We lost you. Well, they they say defense wins championships. Uh, Minnesota lost a heartbreaker last week to a really bad Chicago team. So I, I think they're they're going to settle down. They're at home. I don't like picking against the Lions, but I, Matthew Stafford's having a good year. Uh, they move the ball really well, but I feel like this Minnesota defense is just a different animal. Um, even when they lose, they don't give up a lot of points. So I'm going to go Minnesota here. I And I have a hard time saying that because I feel like they really struggle to move the ball at times. Um And, and I, I don't think Detroit's defense is that bad. They just give up a lot of passing they give up a lot of passing touchdowns. I, I just think they need to just get their stuff together and just play better, basically. Um, but the thing is, is I don't think Minnesota has the passing options. Really, once they get in the red zone, it's Kyle Rudolph or nothing. Um, but I, I think the defense will win the game for Minnesota. So I'll, I'll, I'll take Minnesota in a very low-scoring game. I will take them uh, 21-17. to 17. I'm going with Minnesota as well. Uh, just over the last couple of years, it seems like they they just play pretty well against Detroit uh, defensively. Uh, I don't know what it is, but they seem to understand Detroit's offense pretty well. So I think they'll have that there. I'm interested to see how the Vikings' offense looks because uh, North, North Turner resigned this week. Yeah, that was that was a shocking move too. Yeah. So, so I'm interested to see what comes out of that. Like, are, is there going to be a new wrinkle to the Minnesota offense? Uh, but I think, I think they do enough to win. I think they can keep the score low enough, keep Stafford in check, uh, see if they can run the ball a little bit. Uh, so I will take Minnesota as well. Uh, close game though, 24 20. All right, I'm gonna just gonna go with a team that I think is better, and that's gonna be Minnesota, of course. Uh, Lions just keep uh, letting me down whenever I pick them, so it's not a lot, <laughs> but you know they lose, so got to go with Minnesota. Uh, I think they're gonna win twenty-four to thirteen. Yeah, so we all have that moderate to low-scoring game. Yeah. Up next, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh versus uh, Baltimore Ravens. Who you guys got? Uh, Baltimore, they have a minus two and a half lead for this spread. Sorry, Trayon. I'm gonna pick pick against your birds. All right. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Steelers. I think they have more offensively, uh, and they they all they always play tough defense against the Ravens. Uh, this is a this is a great matchup historically, uh, but you know whether Big Ben's back or not. I don't think that's going to really matter. Uh, I think Landry Jones, if it's his number that's called, 
and and Antonio Brown, Darius Hayward Bay, Sammy Coates, Jesse James, Davion Bell. I just think that's enough offensively um, to to win this game. Uh, I just don't see enough points coming out of um, out of out of Baltimore. I mean, Justin Tucker may make a lot of field goals. But, you know, they need Flacco to be throwing touchdowns. They need Terrence West to be running for touchdowns. I don't think they get enough of that consistently. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go Pittsburgh here, uh, 30, 30 to 17. All right. I'm going with Pittsburgh as well. Uh, I'm not quite as confident as you, uh, though, Ty. Uh, I'm, I'm expecting Big Ben to be back in the lineup. Uh, that will make me feel a little bit better if I see him under center. Uh, Landry Jones is is serviceable for the Steelers, but you know it's it's a different animal when Roethlisberger is there. Uh, but yeah, I expect the Steelers to win. I just think they have a little bit more firepower on offense. Uh, even if Big Ben's not there, give me Le'Veon Bell over Terrence West and give me Antonio Brown over Mike Wallace. Uh, so I will go with the Steelers as well. Uh, another close game because these are two teams that don't like to lose to each other. Uh, they mm-hmm. they play each other tight. Uh, so I will go with the Steelers uh, 28-21. All right, I'm going to go with my Ravens on this one. Uh, one of my favorite rivalries in sports. Uh, crazy stuff always happens when these guys play. Um just think Baltimore being at home, I think they're just going to find a way to win somehow, some way, even though I believe Pittsburgh is a better team. Uh, so got this one being a little bit closer to you guys. I'm feeling a Baltimore um, win uh, by field goal on the last play of the game. So I think they're going to win 20-17. to 17. It'll have to be that low scoring for Baltimore to win, though. I'll agree there. Yeah. Up next, we have Denver versus... Oakland. Uh, Oakland, they have a minus 1.5 lead for the spread. Who you guys got? Yeah, I can't give my defense pitch and pick against Denver. Yeah. Coming off a great defensive performance last week. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna go with them. Uh, offensively, they're still going to have to have a pretty good game. They, they struggle at times. Devontae Booker seems to step in for C.J. Anderson, no problem. Uh, just that passing game still, I think I feel needs to get a little more consistent. Simeon really has to kind of focus in and find him Mary Thomas, find Emmanuel Sanders because they're both big weapons. Uh, if he can find them, I don't see them having too much too much trouble. It's gonna it's gonna fall on that defense though. Can they slow down Derek Carr? Uh, can they not give up garbage time points to him and have him get it really close at the end if they're ahead? Uh, the only thing I think. That's going to be key for Denver's. They they can't fall behind because I don't think Trevor Simeon's the kind of quarterback that can lead a charge. He's he's not like a Matthew Stafford or a Matt Ryan or Ben Roethlisberger where he just has a really big arm and can get a team back in it in a matter of a couple of minutes. So I think the defense for Denver's going to have to be in check. But I'm going to take uh, the Broncos by a score of twenty-seven to twenty-one. I think this is a close game. Uh, having a hard time picking on these ones. Uh, 
I mean, Oakland, they were they were a team I said to watch out for at the beginning of the year as a dark horse, and they're yeah. so far proving me right, season two. Uh, but they don't seem to be very good at home. Uh, yeah. Uh, so they're, they're one well, and two at home. They're better. They're yeah, I was going to say they're better on the road. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, and uh, and they're playing a nasty defense. Uh, Derek Carr likes slinging around. I wish Oakland had a better running attack. I would feel comfortable picking them then. Uh, but because of that, uh, that's why I'm going with Denver. Uh, just, that defense is going to be a little bit too much for them. Uh, Oakland's not going to be able to run the ball, and Denver's not going to have to keep linebackers up to stuff to run, so I think they'll be able to focus on stopping Derek Carr in that passing attack. Uh, and because of that, I think I'm going to have to roll with Denver. Still a close game, though. Uh, I got them winning 27-24. Yeah, and my fantasy team would like a better open running game, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody agrees on that one. Yeah. I'm going to go with Denver as well. Um, just going to go with the team that has a better defense on this one. Oakland, they have a various, uh, uh, very dangerous um wide out uh court that the car can pass to. Uh but I do think Denver's gonna find a way to get pressure on him and stop that uh passing game and help win the game. Do help have this one being close though. Uh, so I'm gonna go with Denver twenty four to seventeen. And last but not least, we have Philly versus the Giants. Uh Giants they have a minus two and a half point lead uh for the spread. Who you guys got? Well, is Odell Beckham Jr. going to show up, or is he going to <laughs> not show up? <laughs> I mean, I think that's kind of been the question all year for the Giants. And granted, a lot of that falls on Eli Manning as well, but uh, it seems like when those two go, so do the Giants. So I think this is going to be a good game for them. I think they're going to step up in a divisional game. Uh, all of these ones count. So uh, I'll say... Philly's in a slump, too, right now. I think Carson Wentz is kind of... I, I'm not going to say he's, you know, gotten worse by any means. I mean, guys are a rookie still. I mean, you can't put, you know, the weight of a franchise on a rookie quarterback yet. So, unless your name's Dak Prescott. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so give me, uh, give me the Giants. Uh, I'll take them... By a couple of possessions, I think a touchdown and a field goal. I'll I'll take them thirty-one twenty-one. All right. Huh? Uh, yeah, it seems like Philly is starting to kind of fall off a cliff after their hot start. Uh, I think there's been enough tape now on the Eagles where people are starting to figure out their game planning. Carson Wentz has he's been a very good rookie. Uh, he's having a good year, but uh, I think got a little bit exposed against Dallas that he does not throw the ball downfield. Uh, credit all to Dallas. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of course. I got, I got, I got to give him some credit here. Uh, but it seems like majority of when passing attempts are like five to ten yards. Uh, he he doesn't like throwing beyond the sticks, and if they can't figure out how to push some defenses back. The rest of the year is going to be rough for them, and they they won't be above 500 for much longer. And this game is just not a good matchup for them because 
the Giants, they still have a really solid pass rush. And if your quarterback's not not able to take pressure off by making people pay with some hot reads and hurting you downfield a little bit with that one-on-one coverage, it, it's, it's going to get ugly. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Giants for this one, too. Uh, they're only favored by three. Uh, I take them by, for a little bit more here, too, uh, 27-20. Did you basically just call Carson Wentz Alex Smith 2.0? It's looking like he might be. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of checkdowns. A lot of checkdowns. A lot of checkdowns. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Philly in this one. Uh, there's no particular reason. You know, sometimes you got to trust your gut, so... I'm going to go with my gut on catch up. <laughs> that could be the reason too, man. Uh, so yeah, I'm just going to go with Philly, man. I think, uh, you know, somehow, some way they're going to get the job done. So, uh, got them winning a close one, uh, 20 to 17. Put that down. And all right, guys. Um, I know you have something to say, Tyler, but any other, uh, closing statements? Talk about baseball, Ty. Yeah, I mean, I I think it at least deserves to be mentioned. Uh, 108 years, cursed franchise, no more. Uh, You know, I I think whether you like baseball or not, you like the Cubs or not, it's it's a great story. Uh, I've said it before. If if I felt if the Cubs were to win the World Series, it would be the sports story of probably the century. you know, the next foreseeable, however long it may be. Uh, it's just a feel-good story. I mean, there, I don't think there's really any other way to word it. It's, you know, the improbable happened. Uh, everybody votes against it every year, and it finally happened. You know, the the Cubs winning the World Series is just, it's historic. It it was honestly a fantastic run. They had a great regular season. You kind of saw this coming last year. They made it to the uh, National League Championship Series uh, before they lost to the Mets. So, you know, they, they were setting themselves up for this moment. Uh, Theo Epstein has kind of proved to be a baseball god and a curse breaker. Uh, did it with the Red Sox, uh, now, now with the Cubs. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, this this team deserved it. They would have been one of the better teams that didn't win it if the Indians were to win. But, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm happy for the Cubs. I'm happy for their fans, not for the bandwagoners, but for the real fans. Uh, you know, j- just the idea that, you know, things like this give a lot of other franchises hope. Uh, being a Lions fan, it makes me think the Lions can win it. I'm sure, you know, other franchises think, hey, if the Cubs can win it, why can't we? So, you know, I think this is a great story for sports. It's something people talk about for a very long time. Game seven was epic. It had absolutely everything. It had a, you know, it had a rain delay. It had you know, home runs. It had late inning heroics. Uh, good pitching when there needed to be. Good fielding. You know, it, it had a little bit of everything. And it was very enjoyable to watch. It was a great series. Nothing beats game seven. Nothing beats extra innings or overtime in a game seven. So really, it was very enjoyable to watch. Uh, and and the, that's coming from someone who thinks the baseball season's way too long. Uh, you, you get tired of it. It becomes old. 
But, you know, this series kept it very interesting, kept it very enjoyable. Um, heck of a game seven, heck of a series. Both teams played great, uh, but history was made and the Cubs are no longer the lovable losers. Yeah, they are lovable champions now. And, you know, everybody's, like I said, outside of Cleveland and one third of our trio. Yeah. Uh, everybody's basically a Cubs fan last night, hoping for the curse to be broken. And it was. So, you know, Bartman can come outside again and <laughs> not worry for his life. Uh, and then what was the uh, goat or something like yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. The Billy goat. Yeah. The Billy goat can be put to rest. So, uh, the Cubs curse is broken. I'm happy for him. Uh, big win, a uh, little bit of irony. Uh, if you put it with the NBA yeah. season, the yeah, Cubs, uh, the, yeah, the Cavs come back from a three, one and the Indians give up a three, one, yeah. uh, it's kind of interesting there, just looking at it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, great series, uh, great playoffs, yeah. actually, especially on the Cubs side. They seem to have to come back from some type of uh, deficit each round, it felt like. Uh, and, you know, uh, it was an awesome chess match, too, for Game 7. Uh, you know, especially the the, the pitching changes and, and whatnot, and then like I said, it was a little bit of everything, you know, late, late home run from Rajai Davis, former Tiger, uh, yeah. uh, to put it into late to extra innings. You got a rain delay, uh, full disclosure. That's when I went to bed, <laughs> just said, I'll, I'll catch up on it tomorrow. Uh, but you know, great game. People are already calling it one of the all time great game sevens of a world series ever. Yeah, you know, I don't really got much to say. You know, Cleveland let me down, but, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> Chicago, they did their thing, man. So, got to give them a congrats. They did their thing for sure. But, man, Cleveland, they let me down for sure because I did not want to see Chicago win. But got to call a spade a spade, man. They won. So, congrats uh, to the city of Chicago for sure. All right, guys, anything else? No. All right, um, as always, guys, I appreciate y'all tuning into the show. Um, you know, like I said, plenty of times, uh, you can check us out on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, playtunepodcast.com, uh, at a lot of places. So, you know, feel free to subscribe and, uh, also check us out on Twitter, uh, at DKM underscore, uh, cast. So, uh, be good to interact with you guys and everything, but, Appreciate you guys as always.